0: Business owner looking for real
1: advice and input, you're in the right place from concept to launch to growth, funding, and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million, the other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of
2: Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson.
0: And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt.
2: What's going on, man?
0: Oh, just chilling out, getting ready to record another episode of Startup Hustle, which, by the way, is brought to you by Fullscale.io. It is, yeah, yeah. I'm getting better at that. Why are you sitting on a pile of cash? Well, it's the it's the guests we have today. <laughs> they brought it with them, and you know the the amazing thing is is um, the the whole field of raising capital sucks. It does. It, it's rough. You know, episode two of Startup Hustle is titled "Getting Funded Sucks" for a reason. But with that. And the challenges that come with raising capital, there are alternative forms of raising capital. Yeah. Really? And we are going to discuss that today. So, with us, we've got Keith Harrington and Carlos Antequera of Novel Growth Partners. They are co founders and managing directors. And I think they're really excited to be here, right, guys? You better believe it. Oh, yes. Yeah. For sure. So as we get started, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys the mic and let you talk about what you do at Novel Growth and why that is alternative, and then we'll have a conversation about alternative capital.
3: Perfect. Well, thanks for having us here today. Mm-hmm. Thanks for yeah, coming thanks out. Thanks very
0: much. So uh,
1: at Novel, we, uh, we do um, capital a little bit differently. So we are not a traditional uh, venture capital firm. Uh, We provide capital to early-stage companies using something called revenue-based financing, uh, which is uh, a way where we actually provide capital to a company, and then um, they pay us back uh, over time with uh, what you can think of as a royalty on the money that they're collecting in revenue from product and service sales. So it allows us uh, to provide a meaningful amount of money to early-stage companies in a way that is a little bit different. Um, and in different, I think, uh, in some important ways. First, uh, we're not really buying equity in the company, so we don't have uh, the pressure to get a company to an exit, and the CEO of the company doesn't have to find a way to get to some uh, massive outcome. Um, uh, and we also provide uh, quite a lot of help uh, along the lines of uh, sales and marketing. We, uh, we kind of view sales and marketing as the, uh, uh, the ticket to the promised land, um, that is, if a company knows how to uh, sell its product in a repeatable and predictable way, then they can get to wherever they want to be. They can run the company however they'd like uh, into perpetuity. They can grow quickly and get to an exit. They can uh, they can do whatever they like.
0: Oh well, very good. That was very wonky and right into the weeds. No, Welcome. I mean, it really wasn't. I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward, revenue-based financing, funding based on I mean, I, I'm sure there's a whole number of factors that mm-hmm. that could go into that. Now, as business people, um, what are your backgrounds and what led you to forming Novel?
3: Yeah, I think that's uh, maybe uh, one of the key elements about why uh, we're doing what we're doing right now Um I uh, uh, My background is from an uh, entrepreneurial space. I had the opportunity to build a enterprise software company for uh, over 14 years, along with a couple of co-founders, and uh, one of the challenges in that process uh, uh, was um, the, the experience of fundraising right in person, going through what entrepreneurs go, the earliest stages, and uh, um you know in particular, in my case, I had an enterprise software company uh, in the education space, which for a lot of people is a space that they don't find very um, very appealing from an investor' standpoint because they understand of the cycles and the difficulty of of changing that market and uh, so, as I was uh, growing my company um, and I had some initial success, uh you know some mentors and other entrepreneurs that had been in the space said, "Hey, you're growing well." What you should do is you should uh, go raise some money. Uh, so like, well, wh- how do I do that? Well, you go to talk to angels and talk to venture capitalists. So as I, as we were probably around the million dollar mark, uh, over hundred customers. That's what I did. Built my pitch deck, did the rounds for about eight months, and all I heard were right. It's like, hey, you are not growing fast enough. Uh, education is not as sexy space. Uh, you know, bottom line: after eight months of trying to fundraise, uh, ended up with with zero dollars in my hands. So, so in person, I had kind of the opportunity to experience that, and uh, I think um, as I exited the business and had the opportunity to eventually uh, raise angel money and then um, a round, let's call it from a, from an institutional investor later on, uh, had the opportunity to kind of see through the rearview mirror in a way why. Uh, those challenges existed and uh, kind of what are the, the ways in which the venture industry works and why some things work for that industry and why some others don't. And so when we got together with Keith and, and reconnected, uh, you know, he had the experience from the venture side of being able to see lots of businesses and having to choose which ones met his model. And in many cases, he had to say no to other businesses that were good businesses but did not have that hockey stick growth potential that uh, he needed to get the returns uh, you know, from a traditional venture investor. So, so that's really kind of bringing those two sides to the equation is what uh, uh, led us to form Novel and say, hey, th- th- there has to be a different way to support entrepreneurs that don't fit the, the standard profile. And uh, what can we do to, to do that? And that was the, um, you know, the, how Novel was born and why we chose uh, revenue-based investing as the tool to do it. And you started this, was it two or three years ago? So uh, we launched the fund officially last February, so okay. February of 18th, so okay. um, about a year and a half ago. Okay.
0: And for those of you listening, if, uh, you know how we love it when you're interactive. So whether you're on your phone, your computer, or something nearby, go to NovelGrowthPartners.com or NovelGP.com. And, well, not only will you have the ability to access uh, ways to contact them about... Being involved in your business there's other information now uh, we didn't clarify this up front you guys are here in Kansas City our hometown that is correct yeah so Keith your background was in venture capital or institutional investment uh, yeah so um, my
1: most recent uh, background um, I was at uh, the Kansas Bioscience Authority making venture investments in early-stage life sciences companies uh, around the state of Kansas um, and it was in that uh, experience over the course of six or seven years while I was there where um, you know, I saw a lot of really interesting businesses that we just couldn't invest in. They had revenue, they had you know, great CEOs, um, product and market, and customers that were paying for those products, but uh, just not the kind of growth that we needed uh, from a seed or a series A perspective. Um, and we didn't have a tool in the toolbox to actually finance those companies. And that was, that was pretty frustrating for me because uh, I, I found myself saying no a lot uh, and not having an alternative to point those entrepreneurs to. And there just got to be the point where I'd sort of shrugged my shoulders enough times that uh, it, it occurred to me that, wow, this is probably a pretty massive opportunity if we can figure out how to solve it and provide capital to these entrepreneurs.
2: Well, I think in general, um, the, the, the value that you guys provide as you fill such a, a big gap in the fundraising cycle, you know, as an early stage company, most, most people raise a little bit of seed money and then they get a little bit of revenue going and they need to grow, but they're not big enough for a bigger fund to invest in, right? I think somewhere between doing, you know, a million and five million uh, a year in revenue is kind of no man's land. Nobody, nobody wants to invest in those companies. Once you get over five million or something like that, then like everybody comes out of the woodwork and they want to invest. And I think that's what's great about this model is it services that that group of companies really, really well, which is probably the vast majority of companies. At least at a certain time, it's it's you know there, you know you get the companies in Silicon Valley that go raise a ten million dollar seed round and some right. craziness, right? Um, but the vast majority of companies never do any of that, and, and they're more like StackFi or something, and uh, it fills a great niche. I think it's a really uh, valuable alternative that you guys offer. And it's something how, – how long has this sort of royalty revenue-based financing been around? For 10 years? How long has this been around? Uh,
1: yeah, that's a great question. It's been around, um, you know, so my, the, the, the mining industry is kind of where it, where it started. So it's been around, in, you know, in the abstract for, for quite a long time. In, in terms of software businesses, uh, I think it started in the 90s with a guy in Boston um, whose name I can't remember. But uh, in, in earnest, um, there's been a lot of revenue-based financing uh, or growth in the revenue-based financing industry just in the last, I would say, 18 months. Uh, to two years. Um, and so it's becoming more and more something that people who run software businesses are having access
2: to. It reminds me when I watch, um, the shark tank oh, and, and mis- Mr. Wonderful's yeah, offers yeah. are always like, <laughs> I'll, I'll invest 50 grand, but you got to pay me back 7% or right. whatever. Right. That, that's what yeah. it reminds me of though. Well, we, 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 you've uh, heard this before, we, huh? We have heard this before. <laughs> can we call you Mr. Wonderful? Well, you can. Yeah. Uh, he's been, he's been known as Mr. Wonderful long before today. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary does these... these He's head of marketing deals. for you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, uh, but, yeah, we just say we're, we're uh, more elegant, charming, uh, and friendlier.
3: Yeah. And have more hair. Yeah, yeah for well, sure. For Much better hair, yeah.
2: yes, Carlos. <laughs> no, no, no comment. No comment. So,
0: you know, we talked about the, the rise of alternative capital, and since that is the subject, and I know that your fund is, is you know, revenue-based... Um, What are some other alternative forms of capital that you've seen come out of the woodwork along the way? I mean obviously and I mean even if it's uh, Some of these things too. It's like for example like in the last 10 years things like the safe note and just different types of iterations of classic funding and financing or I mean whether you've seen it or it's something that you think is cool or or Whatever. What are a couple other options
3: that are things that are, are going on in this landscape? Yes, the the interesting thing is that uh, even when you say revenue-based financing or revenue-based investing, uh, because it is relatively new compared to the traditional venture equity financing, that is not a standard, right? So you can go to uh, folks that are doing that in a non-institutional manner, so some individuals that might be creating their own ways to, to do revenue-based investing. Um, but uh, even when you move to the institutional type of revenue-based investing, there are, there's a variety of, of tools and instruments that folks are using that um, try to optimize for one thing or another so um, there are folks like uh, you know in DVC that are using a, a related type of instrument that has uh, you know I would say maybe a little bit uh, more focus on kind of on the on the equity side there are folks that are doing uh, some things closer to um, you know shorter term um, type of instruments. Uh, so, so really, there's a variety of things that are going out there. And there are some folks that are um, leveraging more technology as well to do some more automated decisions uh, around what companies uh, sh- you know, would qualify for or not for appropriate investment. So we try to take, um, I would say, a little bit more hands-on approach in which we really try to understand uh, more about the entrepreneur, understand the company, understand the strategy. And kind of put that human element and our operational experience to bear to say, well, besides what the actual numbers and financials are saying, right, and there has to be a base for that for us to be able to to feel good about an investment, but really look at the at the business and the entrepreneur and see if this is a philosophical alignment in which we can really collaborate, we can help the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur would feel good about uh working with us as well so so I think it really depends on um, what type of tool uh, you want to use as an entrepreneur and what's the appropriate type of tool for where you're in your journey. And as Matt was saying, right, is, is really understand that there's really a, a, a tool set, a, a set of things that you can do, and not everything is appropriate at every time of, uh, for every company or for where you're at in, the, in the, your company's life. And that's really understanding that as an entrepreneur is really where the key is. So,
0: Keith, what have you seen out there that that you like, or did you have a comment, Matt?
2: Well, oh, go ahead. I've got one, but go ahead.
0: <clears throat> yeah, we've seen some some new
1: firms come out. We don't like any of them. Um, we think we're the best out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you can go to novelgp.com
0: and learn more about
1: why. Um, You know, there's actually quite a lot of innovation. To be serious, there's quite a lot of innovation in this space right now around how the instrument looks. Um, And and when we say the instrument, we mean you know how how the money's actually put to work. Whether it's whether it looks like debt or it looks like equity that's then purchased, repurchased over time by that investor. Um, But the idea of non dilutive funding uh, or minimally dilutive funding uh, is is really hot among uh, entrepreneurs right now. So, I mean, we're, we're seeing tons of innovation. Um, and some of the things that we see, we think are sustainable. Some of the things that we see out there, they're complicated and I think it's gonna to be tough to get entrepreneurs to use them. Um, the instrument that we chose is, is relatively simple um, and, and it's in use um, around the country by, uh, by firms like ours. So, um, so yeah, there, there's a ton of innovation out there. I wanna come back to the concept um, uh, that, uh, that Matt mentioned a minute ago about uh, this being kind of a, a niche Uh, and also that we call this kind of an alternative the fact of the matter is um, we believe that the number of companies for which this kind of capital is applicable is actually far greater than the number of uh, companies that that you can really put venture capital to work traditional venture capital to work in Um, and so uh, it feels like a niche because it's new but we don't think it's actually this is not really going to be a niche for that long Um, and we don't think it's going to be alternative for that long either
2: well the, the great thing about this model is if, if if you have a company that they can be relatively small but they're growing, they're profitable, they have a good track record, they can be growing 40 percent a year. They don't have to be lighting the world on fire, right? Yeah, that's right. But if it's a good solid business that's that you feel like is gonna be around for a while and it if, if you think they can service the debt and pay the debt back, then it's a you know, a good investment, and right? It's a great deal. And yeah. it's not like you're you're handing them five million dollars. In in equity, and they got to go light the whole world on fire, right? And hope they become a unicorn company and sell them for a billion dollars one day, which is like mostly all Silicon Valley cares about. Right. There's so many other companies that are just good businesses that are plotting along, but they still need a couple hundred grand, five hundred grand, million dollars, whatever it is. This is a great, great niche. Yeah. Well, you thank know, you for that. So, yeah.
1: and, and we and we try to uh, <clears throat> when we when we work with a company, we try to actually. Design the deal in a way that's going to work really well for them. So, um, you know, it's not not every deal looks exactly the same. The the the, the parameters are generally um, you know configurable, uh, and so we we work pretty hard to make sure that we when we design a deal with a company, it's going to be something that's going to work for
0: them. So, I've I've realized something already that's alternative about their alternative capital is the other funds or sources or people out there. They want to put money into your company, but they don't want to. They don't want to help, meaning like you guys are. Uh, and and by the way, we've uh, received feedback from one of your companies you've invested in about how amazing your help was, and that uh, you know, like you know, really offered a lot of insight, especially when it came to sales. Um, and obviously, sales cures sales. And and the more of them, the we better. Use that I'm book. gonna write that yeah. yeah. Well, it's true. It's true. It's trademarked. Yeah, it is not by me, so I'm probably infringing there. But um, but you know the the so I think the question that I have a couple of things is like what's first off what's the criteria and i know the answer to this with your fund but i think it would be good to answer like what's the criteria for a business that you're going to invest in like who qualifies and what kind of amounts are you looking to put into them
3: yeah so uh yeah we keep it pretty simple so the the companies that uh we focus on are uh, enterprise software companies so we don't normally work with companies that are outside that space within enterprise software It could be any vertical, um, really. Um, But um, the companies, kind of as a a criteria, more specific criteria, need to have at at a minimum of five hundred thousand in ARR or or recurring revenue on a yearly basis. And usually, our sweet spot is, as as Matt well identified, up to about five million dollars in annual revenue is kind of a good marker for us. Um, and then uh, growth, which is another one of the key elements, you know, needs to be around the 30% or so, but you know, doesn't need to be dramatically higher than that. And um, we want them to have, uh, I mean, a product in market, obviously customers, if they're going to have revenue, and, and enough a diversity of those customers that, uh, uh, you know, there's a product market fit already has been figured out, if, uh, if you will. So, so those are really the key elements. If, if, if a company has those elements in place, generally will be able to 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 invest some amount of money then the question is right is there a, is there a good match with the amount of money that the entrepreneur is looking for and the amount of money we can invest and, and timing and so on but but those are the basic elements those are
2: pretty low you know thresholds to hit right and if, yeah, you, sure. if you've got a small company and you got some traction 40 you said forty fifty thousand dollars a month in revenue right yep exactly you know if you're not that far along you've you gotta work uh, that's that's you gotta hard, work right? Up, I mean, that yeah. first forty or fifty is hard, but you know, once you get to that stage, you know, hopefully, you're ready for some growth capital, right? And so, this could be good growth capital to to keep
0: it so going. So may, maybe this is a, a silly question, but um, you, I, I'm assuming that with with revenue based funding, and I and I think we should probably maybe visit how that works because it sounds upfront. But first off, that's going to be a percentage, a preset percentage of your revenue. That gets repaid. To are you? Cl- do you classify as the lender at that point? Is that how that works? Or are you? Is it an investor? Like, I mean, how is that
3: written? We're an investor, but it's using a debt instrument. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, the, one of the key elements of difference is that we're taking uh, early stage venture risk because it's uncollateralized. Debt, okay. Oh, right? I see. I so that's see. the key difference, you know, against a bank or other elements that are looking for. Either I'm going to have a personal guarantee, which is my collateral, or I'm going to have a building or your house or some element. That mm. So we're taking the risk, you know, early va- venture stage risk, because we're basically saying we're going to, in a sense, invest on the basis of the business and the entrepreneur, right? Just like the traditional venture equity world does, the difference is how our instrument is set up, which is more of a debt instrument instead of an equity instrument.
1: Yeah, and and you asked, um, how does that payback actually work? It is, um, some people call this royalty-based financing. Um, And so uh, to pay us back, the company uh, pays a set percentage, a preset percentage uh, of their monthly gross cash receipts from product and service sales, is how we say it. Um, so it's not the revenue line item on the P and L. It's actually how the company is doing in terms of collecting revenue from its uh, from its customers, so uh, anyway. and that's how the payments actually come in. And what is that percentage usually? Anywhere from four to eight percent. Okay.
0: So does now is this a sliding scale? Does it um, does it become more advantageous or beneficial for a company to like Let's just say that here comes your capital business grows, do, does it benefit the, is this all predetermined, like here's the amount and it doesn't matter how long it takes, or does it benefit the company financially to to get this money back into your into your account faster?
3: Yes, but maybe what might help is like a concrete example. Uh, so if a company, let's say it's at a million dollars in revenue, sure. uh, so a good rule of thumb for us to use is that we can uh, invest about 25 to 30 percent of that revenue. So. Uh, let's say a $250,000 check. Sure. Uh, so, what we would expect then is we agree at the beginning on the terms, which are the length of time that instrument is going to be available, and then a cap, which is basically your cost of capital, you can think about it. So, uh, normally it's going to be between one and a half to 2.2 times uh, the amount invested. So, uh, let's say we invest uh, $200, $250,000. And the cap would be two times. Then we would expect a payment of five hundred thousand dollars, usually within a three-year time frame, uh, that we would collect through those monthly royalties. Again, somewhere between four and eight percent. So let's say six percent a month. So six percent a month of your um, cash that's coming in the company will come to us until it adds up to those five hundred thousand dollars. And so the, the one benefit for the entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs that are uh, in a uh, vertical in an industry that is seasonal, is that when you don't have cash coming in, or if you have problems collecting, then you are not forced then to to outlay money when you don't have it. So, uh, you know the way we put it is so, you know, we'll, when we have when you, the entrepreneur has good cash months, we'll have good months. If the entrepreneur has bad cash months, we'll have you know not so good months as well.
0: But but typically the terms are are. Concrete up front. Oh yes, yeah, we okay. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then this was the maybe the silly question. So then, why be involved with the company? You know, like because because sure. theoretically you're locked in. And and you know I understand. I mean I you know like I said the question might seem silly, but I think it's a good, yeah. a good point to answer because that's clearly an added value that you're providing at yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah, and I think I
1: think there there are a couple of reasons for that. First of all, uh, we don't view this uh, as transactional. You know, as, as a banquet. Um, and, and and certainly a bank wouldn't wouldn't help, right? Right. Um, but it also just so happens that we have some expertise um, internally and also in our network that we think can help the companies in our portfolio. Um, and by bringing that expertise to bear, we actually help those companies grow faster. Um, and that uh, obviously helps the companies, but it also helps us too. Yeah. Because the Theoretically faster put some money back in, yeah. Fa- yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. The faster they grow, the faster we get paid back. So. Um, yeah,
3: so do we, we have some upside, right? So in the standard uh, traditional venture equity, your upside is the net cash that you can get in. So you might get 10x, 20x your money at some point in time, uh, or, or you may not, right? But, but that's the, the opportunity. In our case, the net cash on cash is uh, already decided and agreed with entrepreneur in the beginning. Again, t- as an example, 2x the money that we invested. Our opportunity for upside is that that money is returned to us faster sure. so that we can put it to work in other companies so we still have a, an incentive right to, to try to help that entrepreneur right. and so we're aligned and if we do that well then the entrepreneur will grow faster and they'll build value in their company faster so we, we've talked a lot about this did you want to talk about some
2: other alternative besides just the revenue base
0: no i mean i think that that's a i think that that's you know at, from my own research and poking around i mean there seems to be that seems to be the the prevalent version of alternative capital. I mean, if we were to just list, I mean, do you have a couple other things that you can think of? Because I really feel like the revenue or royalty based is is the one that I've that, got a good one.
2: Yeah, another good one is factoring contracts. So if you like, uh, say Stackify, we sign up a, we just sign up a customer that's going to pay us one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. Let's say I could get a three-year contract out of them. That contract's worth $360,000. So can I take that to a type of lender that might give me 80 cents on the dollar or something like that? Sure, sure. And then I could pull all that money forward. And then ultimately, a lot of the times, then the customer ends up paying the lender direct instead of paying me. Mm. So it's like like a loan almost. Yeah, and and on the flip
0: side of that, that's the same as like AR.
2: Because I, yeah. I had yeah, a. Our um, financing is the, mm-hmm. the
0: flip side of that. Yeah. Is you've already performed services, and now you're. I don't know. I'll tell you what, even your best customers have a tendency to sometimes pay slow.
2: So back in the. <laughs> back in my Vin Does that solutions. make them
0: your best customers still? I
2: don't think so. No, but it happens, you <laughs> yeah. know. And, and especially
0: like the big... I guess it depends
1: on how you define best customer.
0: Well, the bigger the company you're dealing with, the slower the 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 payment yeah. sometimes, which is yeah. frustrating because you know, you you've talked back to like the Venn solution days about, you know, sometimes as an early stage company, you see this big behemoth like whale of mm-hmm. a client coming in and and it's it's sometimes not Uh, without the experience of of having been through that, it's hard to understand some of, well, a whale makes waves as it swims by and there's some other things that can be challenging. And if you have to, I don't know, some companies just aren't going to pay you quickly. They're not going to give you a net now payment. And you got to give some consideration to that, especially if they're a pretty large portion of the financing. Um, Maybe not as much with software, but with things that you have to build or manufacture or any type of hardware or product, right. you know, Walmart doesn't
2: pay you up front. Right. Well, so back in the VIN Solutions days, you know, we sold a CRM system, right? And so kept track of all the customers' information and records and all that stuff. We had a competitor um, that I won't name, but they, they sold a similar product, but theirs was not a SaaS product. It was not an online yep. cloud product. But and, and their product was more historical before SaaS became as popular. But the way that people bought their product is they bought a server and they installed it on site there and used it. And they factored every single contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, the customers actually hated it because they basically knew that they bought this product and now the company didn't even give a shit anymore because they sold the note to the bank and uh, got all the money yeah. and then provided terrible customer service too because they're like, what are you going to do? You owe yep. the bank this money now because we sold the contract. So it was like it created a very adversarial relationship but it was interesting because that company had no recurring revenue at all uh-huh. they sold every single contract and we actually put them out of business because of this because when their are those three-year contracts would come up they had to renew them for like right. another three years and we were stealing all of their business uh-huh. so they couldn't sell any more contracts like it's interesting because if you like in that example i gave it's like a three hundred thousand dollar contract you don't have to do very many of those, and that adds up. Like You right. do one or two of those a month, and it's a lot of money, right? right. <laughs> right. Well, if you don't do any a month, you got zero. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's an interesting uh, dynamic you get yourself into if you start selling contracts like that. It's yep. like, Crack, and you got to keep selling That's them every right. month. But
0: well, I think one of the one of the least d- desirable, but probably most highly used forms of alternative capital is like the little short bridge loans, yep. like literally capital loans. Like
1: those fintech companies that do yeah. very short term, yeah. high interest, like so cabbage things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, you asked about some of the other forms of alternative capital out there. That's certainly one of them that we see a lot, and we see a lot of companies that have that kind of debt on their books. Right, short term, high interest, sometimes even getting daily payments. Uh, sort of like a merchant cash advance right uh, so there's a lot of innovation in the space around that and so you see a ton of new companies uh, coming out using that using that kind of model I'm not sure that the model is all that innovative but the the algorithms underlying how they actually make their decisions I think that's that's the that's the innovative part
2: merchant cash advance is another good example oh, yeah. of alternative credit, finance. Card, we mentioned credit out. card receipts yeah, yeah yep so at stack five we get three hundred thousand dollars a month in credit cards or whatever i actually had American Express reach out to me they're like hey you know, you do a hundred thousand dollars a month yep. in American Express receipts. Uh, we'll basically skim off the top of that a certain amount, and then give you the rest. And it, you it was like a loan.
0: We did yeah. that at the at the ticket company sometimes, especially right before like the holiday season. Because, yeah. you know, I used to own a ticket brokerage, and you know, you can't, you don't make payments when you're buying things for concerts and events. You know, you got to pay for all that up front. Yeah, but, you know, come come holiday season, everything in the world would go on sale in the same two-week period. And, you know, we'd have a, a little bit of a, I mean, the carry on that was really short. It was, you know, sometimes a week or two, but just being able to leverage that kind of stuff up. And some of that is like like PayPal is a good example. Like PayPal would literally, like, take, you could, you could based on what your average money that flowed through them was, you could... You know, decide on an amount of capital, and then they'd say, We'll take 10, 20, 30, or 40% of every payment that right. comes in. Now, we did that a couple of times, and my accountant wanted to strangle me right. after because <laughs> you would, rather than getting $10, you would get seven. Yep. And then a different line item would be like $3 repayment on this right. loan, you know, or something right. like that. And it was a, Accounting Honestly,
3: nightmare It was a little bit of an accounting nightmare, but and, yeah. and that's it, and stripe stripe even coming stripe, up, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. They're doing so, that now, too. Yeah, yeah yep. they just started that service a massive so, right yeah, they've
1: launched a massive effort along those lines So that's
3: one of the I think kind of when you think of as entrepreneur account kind of, There are a couple of categories which are you know all those services to provide capital and then uh, when you think about strategic capital because certainly if you want, and uh, you gotta weigh, kind of, the amount of work and the amount of capital that you need, how long you need it, and the cost uh, versus uh, what are you really trying to accomplish, right? And so that one of the things that we, when we talk to companies, uh, we say, if if you're just really looking for money, you might be able to find money that's a little bit lower cost than that, or that it's faster and easier to get, because we actually are trying to understand your business and trying to understand you, and we're making an investment that is gonna be, it's gonna tie us, you know mid to long term yeah, you guys are gonna
0: right. write so, a bigger check it, I mean it, some exactly of these things are right. these small yeah. things are like and I don't, I mean, the, the, your, your, uh, opinion on what amount of money is it's small not right. or not it, is it varies it's from it's everyone, but right. I right. mean, typically those, those kind of things that we just talked about now, contract factoring or AR is a little different, yeah. but yeah. the, the like merchant stuff or, you yep. know, different things. I mean, those are typically going to cap out at a pretty small amount That's and, true. and the, the repayment on them is aggressive. I That's mean, very true. you're going to start paying like maybe, Tomorrow. yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah and uh, and take a look at the terms too because by the time if, if you're doing it over a, a extended uh, term like six or nine months or something, you're going to be paying the same amount of fees and interest on a very 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 small amount of principal at the end, which is kind of interesting with so, very little strategic value yeah right so, yeah at that point yeah. at that point unless I mean I don't know so I think that you mentioned the the, the crack you know you can get, Yeah, In these cycles of, of, you know, constantly paying it back and you just, you're paying the juice to, it's like the mafia. Mm -hmm. They're coming to collect the VIG on Fridays and you better have (laughs) it or they might break your leg.
2: Recurring revenue is a beautiful thing. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's right, and, and, and then, you know, some of those companies, well, you had a neighbor that was in the predatory lending business. I did. How did
2: that work out for
0: him? He's in jail now, right?
2: I, mean, I think it worked great until he lied about being on until the Indian reservation and, yeah. then, uh, <laughs> they, and, the and then committed fraud and terms they, and agreements and disclosures. And then they
0: came yeah. and uh, raided his house and auctioned off all yeah. the stuff. And, and yeah, that was kind of a, it was a rough time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's a Netflix series about that. There is. Yeah.
0: There is. Dirt. What, dirty money. Dirty money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: You can see Matt's house
0: on my <laughs>
2: You can. <laughs> my house is <laughs> in there. Is
3: that right? After <laughs> yeah. it came out, I called Matt Famous. the next
0: morning. I was like, "Dude, I'm watching your house on Netflix." We get another an one. So yeah. And I live two doors down. We don't yeah. have to say which one, <laughs> but it was there. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Giving tours then? No. Yeah. Oh. Totally.
2: It's <laughs> like, No. There's. There on that house has a big. Uh, piece of paper on the front door now that says owned by the government did you buy that blah,
1: blah, blah. guy's mclaren or whatever it was no
0: i'm pretty sure and,
2: <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and didn't they didn't haul they that did. off in the documentary Yeah, they did all they're
3: I mean, like worries.
0: towing it out and they're like taking out shrubs and yeah. bushes because they're not making the turn and yeah i thought there was a level of like smitten arrogance that came with that i was like why would you do this documentary they're like I mean the the the. Uh, oh, why would why would he well, actually yeah. participate? Yeah, I was like, "What's your upside?" I like, wondered. I wondered the same thing. Because when like you watch it, you're like, like, "Dude, like they're trying to like oh I I am being wronged, <laughs> I am I am the victim here," and you're like,
2: eh, "You're kind of a
0: fraudster, maybe not so much, but you should bet, definitely get back to racing, maybe out of
2: the country." So that's a called dirty money and it's on netflix yeah. it's very fascinating there's yeah. other episodes on there about i, uh, I just heard
1: you get a uh,
2: pharmaceutical companies and volkswagen and volkswagen you know, was, was with, one the yeah. other oh, one was yeah. banks the banks i think but i've seen one about trump I, there was one about,
0: about the, it to my list there was one about there was one about the banks that were one i can't remember which bank it was uh maybe hsbc that was knowingly kind of overlooking cartel
2: money no oh yeah yeah, yeah. the mean, volkswagen the, thing was really fascinating yeah. on there yeah.
1: I, I'm. I, I uh, just, I just want to interject here that there is no uh, uh, cause for the two of you to be talking about fraud uh, while we're on the
0: uh, podcast here. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, you are definitely not in that that ballpark. And with that, we should play mixtape. Yeah. So, Let's mix it up so I know you guys uh, are uh, have, are big supporters of the guys at Divi HQ I yeah. should tell you do not play mixtape with Brody no. uh, he's a veteran I
1: listened to the did podcast you listen to that one guys. yeah, yeah really you don't good. play with
0: Brody no. he's, he's gone through the deck a couple times so wow. mixtape the by the way Joel Johnson the creator of mixtape was nice enough we have mixtape. I saw a couple Prom, cases. Pr- promo decks. Yeah. I saw yeah. You guys are not... Well, I don't know. We haven't really made up the rules. If they don't win, I don't know if we'll give them a deck. I mean, would they be worthy?
2: They got a 50% chance. I, I think know Carlos right. wants all to right.
0: shoot this money well, gun. He let's tried to it. fire let's the thing up. So, all right. So, game.com. I keep saying digital version coming. I'll just say someday. <laughs> 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 Trying to get it right so it doesn't suck. Um, all right. So, I'm going to read a scenario. We're all going to pick a song. We will vote afterward. You Cannot Vote for Yourself. What song sums up your adolescence? (laughs) Shoot! Oh. um, I'm going with Me So Horny (laughs) by Two Life Crew.
2: (laughs) I think that's probably the best answer, yeah. Uh, Hey. I guess I got to go with Ice Ice Baby by
3: Vanilla Ice. Classic.
0: I would like more explanation on that. (laughs) But we'll uh, (laughs) let... So I'm thinking, so, I'm probably overthinking.
3: I was going to respond Shakira, Hips Don't Lie, to any question.
2: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, man. Carlos's hips and his adolescence, okay?
1: Sums up. What? Or maybe it was just Shakira. <laughs> yeah, was right, it was got more got about like, Shakira? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the song that sums up my adolescence.
2: So while he's thinking, really, a friend of mine was Shakira's manager.
0: Really? Whoa. Yeah. I bet Carlos would like to know oh, more no. about yeah. that. Yeah. Can we be friends? Yes. <laughs> You're overthinking this Harrington. Overthink- here's the thing. Yeah.
1: I can only think of one song.
0: And then you got to name it. Boys in the Hood by N.W.A. There you go. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> there you go. So we have Me So Horny. <laughs> I feel like I might have won that right as that I was that not, moment. by the way, a gangster yeah.
1: in, my, uh, in my adolescence. I...
0: But I did oh, listen God, to- however not- I was horny in my <laughs> adolescence that happens and then what we have Ice Ice Baby yeah We've got a lot of really, really questionable rap here. Yeah. And then one, and then Shakira. And Shakira. We have yeah. Boys in the Hood. Which is harmless. By NWA. And it, we'll, go, we'll let Carlos just go with Shakira's entire library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have to vote, and I will vote for, I'm going to, you know, I don't do this often, but I'm going to vote for Watson mainly just because I like Ice, Ice Baby.
3: I'll vote for Watson. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. You're going to win. You already already
0: won. Yep, there you go. Wow. Wow. You already won. Congratulations. So I think that since you already have a mixtape, So we win a prize, right? Well, I think we're going to let Watson decide which one of (laughs) you two wins the prize. Oh, this will be interesting. This will be really interesting.
2: You have three
0: seconds. All right, I'm going to let Carlos. There's
2: no contest. I'm voting for Carlos. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> all right, we're gonna let, we're because gonna, his hips don't lie. Uh, yeah.
0: We're going to let Carlos fire the money gun. <laughs>
3: ooh, ooh, I like this.
0: We need to get one of
1: this. Oh, I, could that, get, I could get used to that. I'll tell you what. I don't even know what to say about that.
0: That's, uh, of all...
1: That's, I, wow. I enjoyed it too much. Look at all the... I've got, a, I've got a
0: video of that that we will post on at Startup Hustle Podcast on the Gram. Carlos, I do have to say, and I think Watson can confirm this, the uh, the uh, overall range yeah. in which you fired the money may have been the
2: broadest. I, I like that. Maximum Spread square wheel, inches yeah. were Spread covered. Yeah, you know, we've
0: had around. we've had people shoot Watson in the face with it. Yeah, have them shoot themselves. We I don't well, know what dollar bills have been. I, well, we I do. I kind of do, and that's why I don't want to touch. Them. Um, <laughs> I saw, yeah. saw the dollar bill. If you yeah, go, if a two dollar bill, there bill. is a two. Yeah. that's yeah. great. If you go home and your wife says, "Why is there glitter on you?" Just blame mm-hmm. the money gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, for those of you listening, if you get a chance, go to novelgrowthpartners.com. You can also go to novelgp.com While you're on the internet stop by and visit fullscale.io to learn more about what matt and i's tech services business does uh, you can also find us on instagram youtube a whole lot of other places um so as we round out this this episode that was once again brought to you by startup hustle.io hang on i'm making my quota startup hustle.io? oh no fullscale.io see so i got distracted <laughs> Uh, I'd like to hand the mic over to you guys, and uh, you know you're both seasoned entrepreneurs. You have a lot of history in the space of funding, and you get you guys can have a, have a few minutes here to kind of freestyle as, in regards to maybe giving people advice on what some of the better ways to raise money or what they aren't. You can really go however you want to go. Have at it. Go. All right. Um, well, look. We, uh, we talk
1: to entrepreneurs um, every day, uh, and one of, the, one of the biggest challenges that we see is just that there are so many companies out there that just aren't a great fit for venture, um, and we are one of a growing number of firms out there that, that solve the capital problem for growing companies, and in our case, growing software companies, uh, in an interesting and we think uh, useful and meaningful way. Um, you know, if, When we talk to entrepreneurs, we try really hard to understand what it is they're trying to raise capital for and, and, and what is the right amount of money for, for that entrepreneur and for that business. Um, and, and that's something that I think I would, I would definitely urge entrepreneurs to think through very carefully is what is the right amount of money for my business? What is it that I'm trying to accomplish and what do I reasonably need to actually get to that milestone? Um, uh, and that is not always something that uh, that's so easy to uh, so easy to, to really figure out. So um, you know that, that's that's some, that's the advice that we give to almost every entrepreneur that we talk to is, you think you need to raise this much money?
3: Let's let's really talk
1: about what it's going to take to get you to the milestone that you think is most important coming up.
3: Yeah, and uh, I would add to that. I think uh, as an entrepreneur, don't just buy into the whole hype and um, you know reading the tech crunch and the news media of Silicon Valley and believe that that has to be your journey to be successful is understand what you want to accomplish with your business, what you want to accomplish personally, professionally, financially and once you really understand what that journey is and and no journey is a bad one if you really want to be the dominant global force uh, of an industry and you know financially exit as a double unicorn IPO, then that is your journey, then that is fine. You might have to do certain things to raise money and to build your business to be successful if that is what you want. But if um, you have a different path, then there might be a different path for you, especially from a capital perspective on how you build your business and how and where you get that capital to build your business. So consider that. and uh, um, the other part, I remember, is like you know, th- and hopefully Matt agrees with me. I mean, this process takes time. Uh, I don't know where some th- sometimes entrepreneurs, you know, say, "Hey, I'm, I'm building this business, and I'm going to exit in, in three years," and they just started building the business last year. I, that doesn't happen in most cases. Business businesses take time to build. It's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. And. Um, if you don't understand that, you will be disappointed in most cases. And, and in the process, you might make some bad decisions. So um, if you're signing up for entrepreneurship, buckle up. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be hard, and it's going to take time. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's probably a 7- to 10-year ter- journey easy. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mr.
2: Watson, do you have any closing comments? You know, I think it's um, most people necessarily think about debt as an option of raising capital. And so I think what we've talked about today is is a... Is a great example of where debt is a, an option. Maybe people don't think of, um, be that from cabbage or something like that. There's short-term stuff, but you know what what they offer um, is a much more strategic type of debt instrument that could be really valuable to a lot of companies that are between you know, uh, fifty thousand a month in revenue or five hundred thousand a month in revenue or even higher. Um, mm-hmm a great alternative way to raise capital besides just straight uh, venture you know equity type stuff so so I think I think you guys
0: you know echoed some similar sentiment but I, I I'm gonna go I'm gonna close this out with a different layer of advice I think if you before you go to try to raise money from anybody be ready just be ready like come proper be prepared have the you know the, I, I've seen so many people pass me, email me, upload, whatever it is, different stuff. And you look at it and you're like, man, this is like maybe the worst presentation <laughs> or outline that I've ever seen. It's either under explained or it's over explained. I think really in the end, keep it simple Define the problem that you're trying to solve, how you're going to solve it and have some, you know, no one expects your, pro- your projections and your estimates to be a hundred percent because they can't be, they're always going to be wrong. On some level but keep it reasonable and just you know and simple I mean I think that anybody that's ever seen a deal from someone uh, you know like they're they usually the offerings lack um, the uh, you know some desirability on a lot of yeah, regards just that, the perfect deal right yeah yeah and you're but if you want to be taken seriously take your take your offering and your presentation and and all of that seriously. So speaking of taking things seriously, I'm gonna get back to work. Absolutely, let's do it. Yep, see you next time.
2: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi
0: and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz.
1: And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup
2: Hustle.